When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And we're back. Another Carolina podcast, a special no huddle edition on a Friday afternoon. Of course, uh, Chris Clark and myself, Wes Mitchell, have called to order a special Another Carolina Podcast episode, uh, the official Jordan Birch edition. Um, I believe we called the one we did on our normal Wednesday, the Jordan Birch episode. This will be the Jordan Birch episode part two. Um, as uh, Chris and I were both correct, by the way, sorry, Pearson, about uh, the letter of intent coming in before Sunday, actually a, a good bit before that. So, uh, Chris, uh, what was your reaction Thursday night um, when word came down uh, sort of uh, anticlimactically that uh, Jordan Birch had officially signed and delivered uh, his letter of intent to South Carolina? Honestly, man, my emotion was surprised. Uh, not not that he signed with South Carolina. I, I really and truly thought that he would end up going – in some form or fashion, ending up at South Carolina. But, you know, earlier in the day, and I mean, not that much earlier, that afternoon, several hours before, I remember we, we talked over the phone about all this, you know, it, it didn't really seem like there was some imminent ending. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like it was just right around the corner that the letter was going to get sent in that night or that day or, you know, really you know, the next day or whenever. We really didn't know. And so I was sitting around that night wondering, okay, is this going to be a situation where it's going to drag out for a couple more weeks? Is this a deal where, you know, no info to back this up, but just literally just wondering because of how everything went, is this going to be a deal where we're not even going to sign a letter? Mm -hmm. And is it going to be, you know, a financial aid agreement situation and just enroll in the summer? Um, So, yeah, I was surprised when it came down. Um, You know, again, not, not the destination, but just, the timing of it all because it really didn't seem like it was on the only you know verge of getting done at that time yeah obviously big news for South Carolina um luckily for for everyone involved uh luckily for them I, I would even say luckily for for Jordan Birch and for everybody following it um it, it didn't delay out uh you know any longer than it did now the story is is pretty much over everybody can sort of go back to their lives and Jordan Birch can start to focus on, you know, finishing his senior year at Hammond, uh, finishing out his basketball career and then getting ready for his time at at South Carolina. And, you know, I I think something we've tried to reiterate, Chris, um, both on our message boards, the Insider Forum on Gamecock Central, we talked about it on the podcast, um, you know, on Wednesday when we recorded, even talked about it on Twitter a little bit, is just um, A, Jordan Birch himself, is by all indications, by all accounts, you talk to people who spend a lot more time around him 
um, you know, probably more than, than about anybody. And they'll tell you he's a great kid. He's not a kid that, that builds drama. Um, you know, I, I believe you termed it that he's not driving this bus when, um, you know, word came down that the letter of intent had not been uh, delivered as it was expected to. So I, I think just important for us all to remember um, this is a young man who's sort of been in the middle of this, wasn't really necessarily the, the decision maker as far as how the process was going to play out. And, um, you know, I, I kind of honestly, I kind of felt for him as far as having to just be the center of attention because, I mean, I, I, I don't listen to like a lot of national radio or national television shows or whatever, but, um, you know, the Feinbaum show was talking about Jordan Birch. You had people on ESPN talking about Jordan Birch. This became a big national story that uh, it almost was made to seem like he was holding out, um, but obviously that, that wasn't the case. So I, I hope now that um, basically Jordan can sort of personally be able to turn his attention just back to his life at Hammond and, you know, and getting ready to be a football player at South Carolina versus this big center of attention. Yeah, and I think that's what he's wanted the whole time. I mean, um, you know, we one thing that we kept getting asked, and I understand why the question was posed, because when you have this delay, you know, um, it's natural to, to say, okay, well, there's obviously some reason for it, so what is it? And so what people normally go to, and again, it's understandable, is, well, somebody must be wavering. I mean, it, it must be that he's, he, that he's not sure, you know, his mother's not sure, some other influencer is not sure as far as a decision maker, but really (laughs) it didn't really seem like anyone was wavering that much. Was there still communication with LSU who finished number two here? Yeah, there was, but all the indications were that, you know, everybody was on board with him going to South Carolina. And I I think Jordan would have ended the process earlier. Um, it, It seemed like he just was not too interested in it. And that's why, I'm with you. It was a little bit, um, you know, it was a little irritating, I guess. I mean, it didn't personally bother me, but it was, I thought it was unfair to Jordan to read some of the stuff that was, you know, put out there about him, about his recruitment, about, about the way he handled things when really, to be quite honest, a lot of the, the drama, so to speak, was caused just simply by people sort of I don't know making stuff up or having an opinion that maybe wasn't based in reality or um, taking going completely overboard with some things I mean you know I I think back to the last minute visit to Georgia the later visit to Georgia you know very soon before he committed uh, ended up committing to South Carolina it it wasn't dramatic for him to take that visit was it sort of last minute sure Uh, it wasn't really Jordan's doing in terms of the timing of it all uh but people sort of made it dramatic because then, you know, nowadays, you know how it goes, man. You get kid took a visit somewhere. He's, he's done. That's where he's yeah. going, you know, or, uh, you know, the late unoffic- now the late unofficial visit to LSU was a little more alarming because number one, he was already committed. Number two it was an unofficial, you know, after he had already been out to Baton Rouge for an official visit earlier in the process. But again, it, it started all that back again. It's not like Jordan was coming up. You know, he didn't go do a signing ceremony and um, do a hat trick. He didn't take off three different shirts. He didn't, you know, disrespect schools in the process. He didn't put out, you know, 
a, like a fake top seven and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, they, they kept it very close to the vest. Did it, was it not all that ideal for him the way it was handled at the end? It, certainly, because I think you got to understand the nature of, of how people are going to react to those things. And they were sort of in a bubble on it, to be quite honest. But I think, I think it's very positive that it did not drag out any longer than it did. And now it's done and everyone can move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with, with that, let's talk about the job that South Carolina did here to, to keep Jordan Birch at home. You know, I, I think, um, I at least would consider it um, one of Will Muschamp's finest sort of recruiting jobs to date. Um, the amount of uh, – I wish I knew the amount of just man hours if you combined, you know, what Muschamp did along with, um, you know, Mike Peterson, who I, I think probably isn't getting enough credit for the amount of time and effort he put into this one. Uh, Travaris Robinson heavily involved. Then you throw in all the guys um, and girls on campus that are – you know, among the sort of recruiting team, on-campus team, uh, you know, your Justice Jacksons and your Matt Lindsay's and um, everybody else on on that staff. And just the amount of effort that South Carolina put into um, doing everything they could to convince Jordan Birch uh, that staying home was the right move. Um, you know, I, I think it's impressive. I, obviously, some people have pointed out the built-in advantages South Carolina had. And, and those, you know, truly, they they were there. I'm sure they helped the fact that Hammond is right down the road from the university. The fact that, um, you know, Jackson Muschamp does quarterback the team that, that Jordan Birch plays on. And, um, you know, that, that meant that Muschamp could be at, at as many games as he wanted to be. Yeah, you know, those things are play a factor. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. You look at the four other schools that were in the top five, and all four of these schools have played for the national title within the last three seasons. And three of them have actually won the national title. So, you know, you're talking about a true big boy recruiting battle and and not just throwaway offers. Sometimes we look at offers and, and maybe a guy gets an offer, but he doesn't, you know, wasn't really a priority. In this case, Jordan Birch was a true priority for these schools. South Carolina goes head-to-head, um, gets another major in-state recruiting win, uh, two straight years that they've gotten a five-star defensive lineman from in-state that SEC and Clemson, you know, schools have wanted. And uh, then, uh, you know, obviously both were the top player in the state for their class and Zach Pickens this year, Jordan Birch, or Zach Pickens last year, Jordan Birch this year. And just to to get it done um, in what I think ended up being probably the most important um, battle for Muschamp, um, you know, really in his time at South Carolina, just to get it done, I, I thought was impressive and just was big for, you know, not just the on the field. Obviously, you add another extreme talent to that defensive line. But, man, just to the perception of keeping Birch home and fighting off these uh, Blue Bloods um, was really big for the program. And, and hey, cap, caps off what was obviously a disappointing season for those guys, but a very – um, I think impressive off season for the staff going into um, you know spring practice here right around the corner. Yeah, the off season went about as well as you could hope, you know, given the circumstances. And and we've talked a lot about this now. You know, some of the obstacles that we've talked about that South kind of faced in recruiting. One that the staff did create for itself was a four and eight season. I mean, that was not a good season. We don't need to go into you know all the we don't need to do an autopsy of the season again, but obviously 
going four and eight can hurt your recruiting. But you consider all the other things on top of it. Then you get the president's comments. You know, if you bring back a coach, a lot of people said, you know, if they didn't go four and eight, it wouldn't happen. True. But you also can't go four and eight, bring your coach back, say you're going to support them and then do that. And, and that, that, and I know you can attest to this too, Wes, and talking to a lot of different people, including prospects themselves about this, that had a much bigger effect than any record on the field. I mean, a much bigger effect um, because, you know, that's when things were a little bit in danger. And South Carolina kept their entire class intact. Uh, not only that, but they were able to add Jordan Birch. They were able to add Jakari Caldwell. Uh, they signed Alex Huntley late. Um, they added some, you know, Jaheim Bell was another one that committed in December. So they were able to add some pieces. So, um, and then you add in that, look, like you said, even though this is a kid who's in Columbia and they have the advantage, you know, the Hammond advantage of being able to, like you said, be able to go to the school uh, more times than a regular, you know, coach from, a, from, from another program would be. There's still a lot of disadvantages that South Carolina has just historically too. I mean, they don't have the trophy case that those other programs that you talked about were. And, and Jordan's a guy who has always won. You know, when he's played, he's been a guy who's, who likes to win. And that's something that came up during recruiting as well. So I think Will Muschamp did a phenomenal job, you know, in, in just building trust, building a relationship from very early on, being super involved personally in the process. And I think that paid off. And it was it was the recruitment in so many ways was very similar to Zach Pickens. Actually, there were a lot of similarities to it. And I think the way that Muschamp handled both was similar. And I think, and the outcome obviously was similar mm-hmm. as well. No doubt. And I, uh, and I, I, I did a piece um, earlier today. We're recording this again, Friday afternoon, just uh, cause I, there was so much um, it, it, as much as, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. As much as there was so little information coming in directly from Jordan Birch's camp, that meant that there was also just an extraordinary amount of information coming in about Jordan Birch in the last six months or so that was sometimes hard to sort through exactly where it was originating from. Um, I think so even after – you know, norm- normally, I mean, you know how it is. Once, once a guy's committed, then signed, and it's over. That's when we can, at times, sort of empty out the bag and throw out. Um, oh, here's a tidbit we couldn't mention before. Here's some more information. Um, so, usually, that's the case. Not really completely the case with Jordan Birch because you're still sort of trying to sort through what was true and what was not true. So, um, I was careful, I think, with what I put on the site, but. Um, one one thing I do feel like that we are comfortable enough to say and that I do believe is 100% true is that I I firmly believe Jordan Birch wanted and wants to be at the University of South Carolina. And I, I say that, um, you know, some people may be like, well, obviously he signed with them, but there's this rumor that kept getting put out online and speculation online was that because – you know, the letter of intent was not sent in immediately was that um, Birch wanted one thing, his mom wanted something else, and that um, that meant that Birch did not want to be at South Carolina. And um, I, I just I just simply don't believe that to be the case. I, I think from everything we've gathered that Jordan Birch um, 
wants to play with his friends, first of all. That was one thing that's been said to me by multiple people. And um, that he really has bought into the value of, of playing for his home state and, um, you know, being able to be close to family and, and sort of being the guy here in Columbia. And, um, you know, I, I think there's sort of this other theory out there, this idea that, well, Jordan's going to South Carolina, but he's, he's settling or he doesn't really want to be there. And I just, I just don't see that being the case. And not to play amateur psychologist, but you watch him interact with his friends, um, you know, you sort of hear about the relationship he has with those guys, not just, um, you know, Alex Huntley, but um, the other kids that are walking on at South Carolina, Fabian Goodman, and, um, you know, those guys. And I, I think you look and – I, I truly just – I think it's worth mentioning, uh, and Bradley Dunn being the other guy, the, the fullback that's walking on at South Carolina, I think it's worth mentioning that I firmly, Chris, believe that South Carolina is where Jordan Birch wants to be and that he's never really truly wavered from that, I don't think, since he initially committed to South Carolina, even though I also firmly believe that it was extremely close when he picked South Carolina over LSU in the beginning and that it came down to – um, a matter of hours before that announcement when he actually made that decision. Yeah, sure. And and that's, you know, we, we see that a lot in recruiting where, you know, let, let's say it didn't go South Carolina's way with Jordan Birch, you know, and he picked LSU or some other school. A, a lot of times what you see is, is people say, well, he's never coming here. Or he, 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 we never had a shot. He was never mm-hmm. interested. And, and th- those types of things, I mean, they're just not true. So, I mean, it, it, LSU was close in this one. Um, and, and, yeah, communication did continue. And, yeah, he did take another visit out there even after he committed. Um, but that doesn't mean automatically that, you know, he had flipped to him. Or um, I don't even know if you call it wavering. I mean, is he still considering, I guess you could say? Is he still listening? Yeah. But um, like, I, I'm, I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. I agree. I mean, we've heard a lot of the same things on that, that, you know, he was sold. Um, he, he was told at the time, look, you don't have to make a decision if you don't want to. You don't have to commit somewhere. Um, you know, ESPN was in town, et cetera. But, you know, that's something where if you're not ready, don't do it. And so um, th- that whole deal and him him not signing on the, you know, on Wednesday, none of it was I, I don't know if I can do this or. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I want to go to LSU, or I'm not sure. All indications were he was certain about the decision. It was just a variety of other factors where, um, you know, he, he just, you know, it was not in the cards for him to sign at that time. Um, but, yeah, I think every, everything, he, he was totally on board with the choice once he did finally make it. And, yeah, it was close. But that doesn't mean that he's not extremely happy with the decision. There's a lot of recruits. Uh, who who make college decisions where it was close between one school, uh, you know, two different schools or three different schools or even well, more. Well, I, I think a lot of times, Chris, um, generally speaking, when a guy is sort of weighing two schools and they make it a decision and it's just a verbal commitment, um, it, it seems like it sort of goes one of two ways. Like, I mean, we've seen guys where let, – let's take Miles Murphy, for example – who obviously it was very close between UNC and South Carolina. That one doesn't go the Gamecocks way. And he goes to North, he commits to North Carolina at the time. We're thinking this is probably one to keep an eye on down the stretch or or down the road, at least that 
it's probably not really over because it was so close initially. Well, I, I think similarly, I think Miles Murphy made his decision, probably woke up the next day and said, I, I feel good about that decision and I'm happy with my decision. So I, I think, um, you know, the other side of that is sometimes guys make a decision, wake up the next day and they say, I still need to continue the recruiting process or they say, I, I made a bat, you know, Jackson Muschamp got caught up in the moment, committed to Colorado state, wakes up the next day and says, I, I shouldn't have done that. I got ahead of myself. So, you know, I, I think whenever, whenever that sort of lockdown and make a decision time comes, you never quite know on the other end when that kid wakes up the next morning, is he going to feel like, okay, I, I did the right thing. I'm comfortable with this. Or is he saying to himself, I made a big mistake or, or somewhere in between all that. So I think it, it was very close. And then I, I think at the end of the day, like you said, um, you know, from everything we've gathered, obviously we have not heard from, from Jordan Burch himself, but from everything we've gathered, um, sounds like um, he's happy with it and, you know, is comfortable with, with his future at, at South Carolina. Uh, speaking of that future, though, one thing we, I guess, with all the talk about, Jordan this week as far as his recruitment um let's get into what South Carolina is getting in Jordan Birch the player um I made it a point to say Jordan Birch is not Jadavian Clowney that's the natural thing people want to mention is he as good as Jadavian Clowney uh, is it comparable to Jadavian Clowney it's a it's a natural thing because they're both five stars they're both defensive ends they're both from the Palmetto State but um I don't know if we're I don't know if you and I will ever see another clowny come out of this state as far as, you know, a defensive end prospect that has that uh, type of upside and, and natural ability. So, no, he, he's not Jadavian Clowney, but he is a really, really talented football player. I think he's a five-star all the way. But um, as far as going into a little more detail, uh, what do you, Chris, see in Jordan Birch? Well, I mean, he can just do so much. I mean – you look at sort of the canvas, if you want to call it that, that he brings to the to the field for Carolina. He's already a good player, but there, there's going to be a tremendous learning curve. I mean, there there is for everyone who transitioned, but transitioned to to the college level. Now, Skiza Ball has improved a lot. Is he play as good competition week in and week out as if he played, you know, say five A ball? No, but I, I like how one coach who's played against Jordan told me recently he said when you get a guy who's 6'6 and 270 pounds line up at receiver take a tunnel screen and then just run 75 yards for a touchdown and look natural yeah. doing it you, you've got a, a special player and so you know no matter the competition level and so uh, that that's gotten talked a lot you know that's been sort of a storyline with Jordan I think it's a very overrated storyline because you just look at the tools that he brings, you know, the size, the frame, the potential versatility as far as what he can do positionally, um, the fact that he's still got a lot of untapped potential and the way he moves, you know. Now you watch him on the basketball court, watch him on the football field. He can really move well for his size. So you just don't see that combination a lot. And I, one thing we've talked about, Wes, is and something you wrote in your pieces. I mean, the guy would have – but probably an NFL future if he played mm -hmm. tight end. Um, and so he's just – he's got so much uh, athletic ability. And if you can find those type of guys that have 
you know, that size plus athleticism sort of ratio, um, if they develop and work hard, which I think he will, um, then you got a chance to have a really good yeah, play. Yeah, and we um, – I, I remember when we watched him with Hammond at uh, South Carolina 7-on-7, seven seven, um, I guess that probably would have been Jordan's junior year, maybe. Um, I, I know it's been a while, and that, it was shortly after that or around that time that, you know, we were told, hey, that, that guy could play in the NFL at tight end if, if that's what he wanted to do and if that's what his future was. But obviously um, – you know, I think the upside at, at defensive end or on the defensive line in general is, um, you know, the, the highest upside is there. But I, I'm with you, man. You mentioned the basketball court, having a chance to see him play basketball several times now. Um, it, it's it's really just kind of astounding when you see a kid this big and you just see, um, like, the dexterity that he has, like the ability to – literally control his body naturally in space at that size. Um, he's a very skilled basketball player, man. I mean, he, he plays inside for them sometimes, but he plays guard for them a lot of times. He's out there guarding point guards who, you know, are, are literally giving up, um, gosh, I would say 100 pounds or more, you know, to him. And are, yeah. um, you know, obviously some of them 5'11", 6'1", and he's out there just sticking with them on the perimeter. And then you watch him run the floor. Um, you know, there was a play against Heathwood Hall where um, there was a couple of plays where they – it was like they weren't willing to extend out and try to guard Jordan, you know, on the perimeter. And he just looked at him like, are y'all seriously not going to guard me? And then, and then pulled a three and, and drilled it. And, uh, you know, you just see – you see a guy that big out there um, moving the way he does, but just having the hand-eye coordination that he does and uh, just the – like I said, dexterity is the best word I can think of to describe it, just his ability to control his body and space. Um, in other things, I believe, translates so well, uh, you know, to football and the fact that he now um, – you know, will be able to get into a college strength program, college nutrition program, and sort of see where it goes, I, I think will be interesting. But, um, you, you know, that sort of leads me to the other point um, that I was told is that this is a kid who college coaches look at and say he doesn't have to come off the field. Um, you know, he can play defensive end in a 4-3 alignment, and he can hold up against the run. Um, he can rush the passer. Uh, you don't have to take him off the field. On third and long, you don't have to take him off the field on third and short. Um, he, he can do it all. And that obviously has led to the discussion of whether or not he's a future defensive tackle or still an edge player. I still think he's an edge guy all the way. But, um, you know, as I said, that's also one of those things that can be very difficult to project how, um, how anyone is going to sort of respond to a new diet, new weight program, a new level of uh, intensity as far as that stuff goes. But either way, I, I mean, the, the kid can do so much on the football field. Um, you got to like his chances to ultimately um, make a big impact in South Carolina. But I, I don't I don't know if, if you're more torn than me or if you agree 100%, Chris. I don't even think I've asked you. But um, I, I, I think he's an edge guy. I think so, too. I just, you know, his his length. Um, could could he play inside? I think situationally that would make sense, you know. 
Um, but but I like him out on the edge because he's so athletic. You know, he can run sideline to sideline. He's big enough and potentially physical enough to hold up, set the edge on the run, and then you get the pass rushing ability. I mean, there there is an emphasis now on on pushing the pocket as an interior pass rusher. I mean, we saw Javon Kinlaw really help South Carolina in that area uh, this past season, big senior year. Um, but I think just, just looking at him and just skill set, I mean, is he big enough? Can he get big enough to play inside? I think so. Uh, but I just really like his ability out there at Buck. And uh, you, you think about the Buck position with Jordan, yeah. too. You know, that is, it's one where, you know, sometimes they'll give him some, some blitz responsibilities, sort of line him up as that spinner role where they almost look like a Mike linebacker, you know, drop him back into coverage. He can do all those things from an athletic standpoint. So I think that's what's really intriguing about him. It's just putting him out there and letting him play some different roles. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, where they slot him and, and how things end up developing. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think um, how how you – and how they slot him and what they call it and all that stuff, um, you know, it, it's interesting. But also I think it's, it's going to be just as big a factor as obviously if he's ready to make an impact. But if he comes in and gets comfortable and they say this guy's ready to help a lot, Chris, I'm looking at the buck position – and saying there's a lot more room for somebody to step in and make an impact than maybe at that more sort of, I guess I always call it the true defensive end spot that, um, you know, sort of anchors down on the opposite side of, of the buck. That's where J.J. Nagbari and Aaron Sterling have sort of um, sort of settled into a rotation this past year. Um, to me, it's about, you know, getting your best guys on the field. So if Jordan Birch is one of the, the best uh, – four defensive linemen on the team, then, you know, I there, there's nothing that says they can't sort of mold that buck position to fit what he does best and, and do some different things for him. And, um, you know, I, I know you, you obviously have Brad Johnson coming back there, but he hasn't quite I, – I would say hasn't quite, like, locked that down to, to the point where he's done enough that you say that's going to 100% be his, you know, his spot to, to be the starter at this year. So – I, I have some questions at that spot, mm-hmm. and if you just look at the natural ability of Jordan Birch, I'm saying, you know, he's going to have every chance to come in and take it also because of the situation that South Carolina has at that position. Um, now, you know, like we talked about a ton, making making the transition, going from skis to the SEC, making a jump for any kid from high school to college, um, the light bulb comes on at different times. You know, it's it's different. Um he was the baddest dude on every football field he stepped on for the most part um, his entire life. Now that might not always be the case, but I will say this. The thing I liked about Jordan is, A, when I've watched him play basketball, which you get a little bit more of a close-up view, a little bit more intimate view, he does have a little – he might be quiet, but he's got a little bit of an it factor. He can take over a game when he wants to. He's a floor general. I think there are some natural lead-by-example qualities there. But, two, when he goes to the Under Armour game, his first time being on the field with a bunch of other four-star, five-star, some three-star players, but, but you know, national le- – the type of athletes he's going to be facing in college. The dude made plays. Yeah, I think it took him maybe a quarter to adjust, but um, Sack had a couple of other tackles for loss. Um, you know, was chasing down plays from the backside, um, looked completely comfortable on the field. Despite the jump up from Skiza to, you know, playing those guys on, on that level, 
Chris. I, I thought, um, you know, he, he played well in that game. And, um, you know, that, that was to me a, a big, I won't say question, but just something that I was looking forward to sort of seeing was how he handled that jump up as far as the size and the speed of his opponents. And, uh, you know, I, I was surprised that he did drop in the rankings a bit after that showing because um, I honestly left really impressed with it. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, you know, and I think I'll, – I'll be honest. I had some people that – even people familiar with Jordan who think he's a really good player asked me when he shot up to – and I can't recall off the top of my head how high exactly Rivals had him at one point. I mean, he was he was way up there at one point. Was he third, I think, maybe? I, I feel third like he in the was country? third. Yeah, some, something like that, top five. I mean, I think third was right. And, you know, they were like, look – He's really good, but, like, what do you think about that? And I said, well, I mean, you, you look at the projection of the measurables and um, mm-hmm. the athleticism, all, all those different things, and you can sort of see it. And I think the point the person, the, the people that said that were making was, you know, he hasn't done a ton of camps. He's done a couple. I remember he did the Future 50. and was really good out there. Done a couple smaller camps here and there. Um, and, and I think that Under Armour game was a nice test just to see how it stacked up. Man, that's a good test for anybody. It's a yeah. good test no matter what competition level you play, you know, no matter your competition level because um, you could play, you know, whatever they got, Texas 7A or, or whatever. <laughs> you know, if you go out there and, and you don't play well, you can get exposed. And I, I thought uh, – so even take take skis or whatever else out of it. Just look at how – a guy stacks up at an event like that, all accounts are he had a good week and obviously you turn on the game. Um, and he, he had a nice showing out there too and made some plays. So um, look again, he, he's, he's still developing, I think as a player mm-hmm. and he's, he's going into a situation where he's going to be a full-time football player. So then you start projecting, you take the measurables, you take how much stronger he can get, how much more development, uh, he can do just in terms of technique and his fundamentals and learning how to play the game as a full-time defensive lineman. Um, and there's just a lot to like there. Yeah. And, and obviously um, when I talk about that jump up, I, that's obviously not any disrespect at all to skis of football. Um, you sure. know, yeah. yeah. Him, him and community. Awesome. That level of football is really fun to watch. Um, and there's a lot of really good players in that league and not, not even, not even the guys that are, you know, your Jordan Birches and your Alex Huntleys and, and stuff like that, but just, um, you know, other kids that are going to play college at, at other places. Uh, lots of talent in that league, especially these days. But I'm more talking about the cold, hard fact of the fact that the dudes he's going to be lining up across from um, just on a consistent basis. You know, I, I mentioned in the piece Dylan Wanham in practice, um, guys like Andrew Thomas at Georgia, who was just like the first – stud offensive lineman that popped in my mind um guys like that week in week out um it's an adjustment and it's an adjustment for everybody as you said so so we'll see man um i I guess that's going to about close it out for us but um uh, if you're listening you haven't been reading on gamecock central lately we do have obviously a ton of content on there right now about jordan birch and then um chris I, i believe we may have some possibly in the future as well Oh, yeah, we're going to have uh, multiple other pieces of content, you know, in terms of what it means, more of the backstory on the recruitment. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have been asking about that. I think there, there's some, some fascinating things there.
and I think uh, people will have been wanting to hear more of that, and I think we'll we'll try to deliver on that. So be looking for those here in the near future, and we'll continue. He's signed. It's over, but the, the coverage <laughs> is not over. So, Yeah, no doubt. Um, hopefully everybody out there will rate, review, subscribe to the podcast so that you can get it every time we put out a new episode. Um, if you're not a subscriber, uh, promo code Gamecocks will get you 50% off your first year. Uh, promo code GCPOD will get you 30 days free if you want to try it before you buy it. Uh, for Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll talk to you next time on another Carolina podcast. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Baker's Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Baker's app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.